0: Sorry, guys. This uh, is—I'm not taking calls. We're trying to, with Esk, we're trying to record. So this is using the voice memo, and this little mic. Can you all hear me there? Yeah. Great. I I can turn myself up, as you know. Uh, Great to see so many folk here. Lovely morning, isn't it? Um, uh, I'm I'm an old pilot, so you always have redundancy. The hot chocolate eskim shot you down boy recording and the jbl who needs eskim isn't that a cool song you know the band Pentatonics. five kids from texas arlington four guys and a girl they recorded that in 2014 amazing eh no instruments on there they're no an cappella group you know they're just just voices so all that beatbox stuff has all been done by their voices and uh, it's a great song um The lyrics for that song were written before 2014 when the album was recorded by an English chap by the name of Isaac Watts. He was an English pastor and hymn writer, and uh, he wrote those words. He stole the words from Psalm 96 and 98, which we will see a little bit later. Um, But the melody that they were using there was also stolen by a chap by the name of Manson in 1848. Uh, He stole joy to the world, those first four notes were actually notes from Handel's Messiah. And uh, he took those and then he he worked with it. He played with that theme. And, uh, yeah, so for you music nerds, that's something, isn't it? But let's get back to the words, because those lyrics are amazing. As I was listening to them, it it plays into what we want to share over this next month, I think, leading to Christmas. Now, we would have beautiful screens with these words and all bolded, but Psalm 96, these were the two psalms that our friend Um, Isaac Watts used for inspiration. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant. Just think these pictures and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness, and in Psalm 98 is just more of the same, shout for joy, and this is our three letter word for today, joy, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music, make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp, and the sound of singing, thanks Robbie for that, with trumpets, and we let that in the blast of the ram's horn, Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. What a picture. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. So the theme for the carol that we heard and the theme from these psalms is this theme. It's that when the king, Yahweh, this is for the ancient Hebrew, comes to judge the earth, when he finally wraps things up, there's going to be joy. Now you think, well, judgment. Think folk Zonda Commission, to contextualize. Wouldn't it be great at the end of two years of Zonda Commission that we knew that a righteous bunch of guys and girls were going to just set things in order? Those that have been corrupt would have been sorted out. Those that had done good would be rewarded. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Wouldn't we just say... So good. We're happy, finally, that the king, the true king, has come. And, of course, the psalmist knows that's going to happen. That's why the whole of the earth, he says, when, when the king comes, everything celebrates. The, the, the rivers, the mountains. This is poetic language. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking Peter Jackson. I'm thinking Lord of the Rings, Tolkien. And I'm thinking that final scene where at the end of the return of the king, remember it? The true king is finally back. The dwarves are there. The elves are there. The hobbits are there. He's even got his queen there. And there's a marriage. And what happens? There is celebration. Isn't it wonderful? That's the picture. I mean, that's what Tolkien's captured of saying, when the true king comes, and all will be well, in the words, all shall be well. Isn't it a beautiful, a beautiful picture? So I just wrote to you, Mr. Watts, you nailed it. It's appropriate, in fact, for us to listen to that song now because today, this Sunday, now you might not be a big church calendar man, but I grew up in a more traditional church. The this is the first Advent Sunday. Advent is that Christmas season where we prepare ourselves to celebrate the coming of the King. Now we know when Jesus came was the first coming and he will come again. But we are celebrating in Advent the coming. Advent means the arrival of an esteemed or VIP guest. Isn't it wonderful? So joy to the world. So today, as Mr. Knight said, we're talking about joy and my title, which I have also in tradition stolen, is called Surprised by Joy. Now, if any of you have ever read anything by C.S. Lewis, he of the Narnia series, that beautiful talking lion, and again, elves and all the rest. C.S. Lewis, when he wrote his biography, called it, titled it, Surprised by Joy. A little bit of background. It's said that one of the most embarrassing moments for an atheist is when an atheist feels profoundly grateful and has no one to thank for it. So think of an atheist, it might be a sunset, it might just be his beautiful wife or his kids. And he pauses and he thinks, wow, wife's so good. And he's got no one to say, thank you. That was C.S. Lewis's story. He was a confirmed atheist, a highly academic man. He had turned his back on the faith. And then, surprise, surprise, which is the title of his book, he begins to experience in his life flashes of joy, of pleasure. And he can't quite get his mind around it. And what happens is he has a crisis of his atheistic faith. He, 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 he's batting to think, well... If this cold universe is there, and that's all there is, why am I feeling these yearnings towards joy and beauty? Mm -hmm. And, of course, he comes to faith. And in his words, he's the most reluctant convert in all of England when he bends the knee. And when he does that, surprise, surprise, he realizes that that God that he had been fleeing from, running from, that he thought was the divine schoolmaster ready to, to whack him, He had misconstrued that God because when he got to know the God who he had fled from, he found that that God was indeed the source of all joy. Unbelievable, eh? That God wasn't there as a killjoy. God was inviting C.S. Lewis in and saying, C.S., come to me if you want real joy. Stop messing around, C.S., with these earthly pleasures, a good glass of port or whatever. A C.S. should have listened to his friend G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton said this, Joy, which was the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Let me say that again. Joy, Chesterton wrote, which was the small publicity of the pagan. means saying, well look, you pagans, yeah, you have a party here and you da 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 da. That's small because Christians know the source of true joy, everlasting joy. And so Lewis would go on to write in a letter that he called The Weight of Glory, he says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, he says, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Infinite joy is offered to us. I'm going to land there, but just remember that it was C.S. Lewis. He's echoing what Jesus says in John. We'll get there. (laughs) Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Isn't that amazing writing? Because what they're probing is what every one of us, I think, want. We, We want to be deeply joyful, deeply satisfied. And Lewis, after all of his messing around, and listen, Lewis enjoyed, he was a married man, so he enjoyed sex, I'm assuming. But he enjoyed his drink, he enjoyed a good port. He was a professor at Cambridge and Oxford. They drank well. Um, So our topic is joy. Last week, Mr. Paul Taylor started, he closed the uh, Head and Heart series around the topic of joy. We're opening up today with joy. So I started thinking, look, these three big ideas that I wanted us, wanted me to remember. Now I thought, you know what? I can't remember that. So I've dropped it down to two. And finally, I thought, I think it was two days ago, I said to Matt, I said, listen, at my age, I can only keep one thought in my mind. So we've got one, one thought today. Okay. So here's the big one idea. And, I mean, you could have walked out after that carol, because all the theology was in there. Um, but here's my one big idea. Joy is a gift from God to his people. I, I'm, true joy. I'm talking not, uh, and, and, you know, we can get into discussions, pleasure and joy and happiness and all this. But, but the joy that we're talking about today that is a gift that God gives to His people. It's at the very heart of what we call the salvation package. Now, I'm a bit of a marketing man, but you have to be careful. But, but when God talks about salvation, at the heart of that, you'll see, is joy. Um, when I was, told to, I was preaching, I did what I always do. I got my Bible app, and I typed J-O-Y, and I hit that into my Bible app. And I found, like, hundreds of references to joy. And if you start putting rejoice and gladness and whatever... I mean, your your phone just overloads. There's not enough 128 gigs and enough for what's in there. But we're going to start this morning. And all I'm going to do now is I'm going to read some scriptures about joy. And I thought I I could go anywhere. You can literally do this with your Bible. Psalms, 73 references. New Testament, full of joy, whatever. But I'm going to start in Isaiah, great prophet. Eight, nine hundred years before Jesus arrived, Isaiah was a prophet. I'm going to start, because it's Advent, with chapter 9. Just listen to me. Isaiah 9. Listen, please, to the language. Listen to the the pictures. Because prophets were also poets. You know, you think, trees clapping their hands. I've never seen. Come on, man, use your imagination. The sea resounding. What does that mean? Well, think about it. What does it mean for the mountains to sing praises? Jesus said that. He said, listen, if you guys keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out. So, Isaiah and I, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. The whole nation's joy goes up. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Isn't that lovely? When I think harvest, I used to have an office in Italy. The harvest time in Italy, olives. Olives grapes. And and the peasant farmers even go out and they just celebrate the harvest because that's what a a farmer does. And agrarian people, they love the harvest. Okay, maybe not as politically correct as the warriors with plunder, but imagine in those days, warriors come and they steal your wives and your kids and all the rest. And then you go out, your army, and then you rescue them. And you divide the plunder. You're going to be happy, aren't you? So that's what he's saying. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders and the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. That's what he's saying, is that the battle's over, we've won. But look at what it leads into. For to us, a child is born, as our writes. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, just those titles. Of his greatness, oh, sorry, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. See the picture? Lord of the Rings? The true king will reign. So, in the midst of all that beautiful language, which is it's rescue language. It's salvation language, because salvation focuses no. It's no more than God rescuing us. You can put your own story in there, but salvation is—it's rescue. God has rescued us. People were in darkness. They were in bondage. They've been saved, and there's rejoicing. There's the harvest. There's the warriors. The, the plant. Just think. But in the middle of that, Isaiah says, "There's this figure. It's a mysterious figure because he's a child, but he's and a son, but." He's a mighty God. He's a ruler with the weight of governing. But he's also a counselor and a father who cares. He's a prince of peace. He's destined to rule forever. Can we join the dots? Can we just think, who is that? Well, it's Christmas. Who is the one that fulfills this? It's Jesus. And that's where I'm driving it. Is that at the end, that offer of joy that C.S. Lewis wrote about, of infinite joy, comes through. This one prophesied. Isn't it beautiful? So, I mean, Dr. Luke, writing in the New Testament, Luke 2, this is where he lands. This is the story, the Christmas story. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around. And they were terrified. You're normally terrified when an angel drops in on you. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, and here's the language. For I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So that's the message of Christmas. And he says, I've got good news. And the news is this, that there is great joy in this news for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Join in the dots. Salvation, rescue, good news. Why? Because there's a, there's a Savior. And that's the common thread. Let me just wet your appetite. Go and read Isaiah when you get home. Isaiah 12, a few chapters on. God is my salvation. Here's the language. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. My favorite verse from this chapter. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isn't it beautiful? With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You know when you're thirsty, you're a nomad in the Middle East, and you come to a well thirsty. And you drop that bucket down and you put it up for water. Joy. Isn't it beautiful? For your camels, for you, for your family. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations. Sorry, blue security. Um, Make known among the nations what He has done, and proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things. Let this be known in all the world, Isaiah says. Shout aloud, sing for joy, people of Zion. Wherever you see Zion, it's a code word for us, God's people. Mm-hmm. Sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And so there's this picture of just drawing from this wells of salvation. At, at the same time, there's an outward, not just a satisfaction of ourselves, there's an outwardness sort of saying, proclaim it. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud, sing songs of joy. Why? Because the Holy One of Israel is in our midst. He's here. Isaiah 35, please indulge me. Only the redeemed, which is the saved ones, will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Imagine a joy that is not intermittent that we wear as a crown. Isn't that beautiful? That picture. Mm-hmm. They will enter a Zion with singing and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Same theme. Same language. Redeemed, rescued ones, joy and gladness. Isaiah 52, towards the end, in the famous last portion of Isaiah these beautiful words quoted in the New Testament. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, the prophet says. Three times. He says, listen now. Your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, They will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So here's the pattern that we find not only in Isaiah's writing. Throughout scripture, there's this idea of salvation, rescue, which leads to joy. And it's always linked at some level to a proclamation where after God says people celebrate and sing, but then proclaim it. Tell others about what's happened to you. Tell those stories around the campfire of my redemption, of my rescue, to you. And that's exactly what one would expect. Sans and I were watching this week. Um, she loves mountaineering. Her dream was to climb Everest. By that's going to do it. I might fly her there one day. But we can. But there was a guy trapped on the mountain, and they rescued him. He thought he was gone. Yeah, the other fingers were going to get chopped off. And when they got into base camp, the celebration. All the mountain, they were, they were like, but that's natural. Just in, in a secular context, when someone's rescued from a burning ship, or man, I'm so glad. There's been, there's like tears of joy. It's the appropriate response to that. And when we read these passages and we think like we think, well, I think to myself, Hazel, why, why is there sometimes like an absence of joy? Like your, your, your response sometimes to what God has done can be so and insipid. Mm. Anyone ever feel that? Yeah. I mean, like, you think, oh, come on, man, you wake up, you're grumpy, you, yeah, 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 ask him this for politicians, and you get there and think, well, where's this infinite joy in my life? I mean, if you read these passages, joy should be pouring out of our pores. We should be arriving here, like, oh, 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 just, people should be looking around saying, what, what, what are you smoking? I'm sorry, what are you, whatever. Yeah. Um, don't, you, don't you do that but, 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 but we, we, we do have a problem and I think there are three areas if, if when I've not thought about myself the first thing, you know that saying familiarity breeds contempt you know, you're driving your car and you've it's a nice car, and you pull up you know, and somehow pulls up and like <laughs> a better car yeah. 500,000 k's on the old Toyota, what, what am I doing and we forget the fact that God gave us that gift you know, it's crazy, eh? So familiarity breeds contempt. We, we become so familiar at times. It's just our human nature that God's done these incredible things and we forget about it. We just get distracted. Um, also, we, we, like we leak. It's like a tire sometimes. You know, you just get down, down, down. No one one you wait, my tire's flat. But like insidiously, what's happened is that we've just let joy leak out of us. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty and and, and then you wake up in that one morning and like, you're you flat it's like hey it's pup <laughs> and then of course there's a third thing that we often don't take in consideration there's an enemy of God's people that his prime objective is that the joy that God offers us he wants to rob from us mm-hmm. remember what Jesus said he said that thief that devil his main objective he comes to rob and to steal from you from me so those are three things. Why? And so what we need, and what I want to do this morning as I close, is we want an antidote. We want to be jolted, I think, or reminded, so maybe a nicer word, of the wonder and the beauty of what God, not only offers us, but what God has done in our lives. I just wrote here, because I was thinking about it in my own life, I thought, when did I last ponder, think upon my rescue? My own story. Like, as we sit here, I don't know what your particular story is, but every one of you will have a story where God has been doing something in your lives. He's He's rescued you, mm-hmm. and the language might be different, but it will it will contain this type of thing. You might say, "Look, you know, it was just Grant, It was a dark place, and then light." Okay, yeah. Then what else did I write? Um, I I felt I was dead. It was just I I was dead inside. And then laugh. That, that's rescue language. Uh, I actually, I chose, I was, I was in bondage. I was actually, I was, I was trapped. Uh, and now I feel I'm free. So pick your language. But go back and think, oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Because that's, we, we just neglected folk. the writer to Hebrews this verse spoke to me, he asks this question: How shall we escape if we ignore or neglect so great a salvation?" Now last week, Paul mentioned from Psalm 51 David's prayer, "Restore to me, O Lord, the joy of my salvation." You, you, you don't lose salvation easily. When God rescues, he rescues properly. But what we do lose is we lose the joy. Of our salvation. That's my story sometimes. Sometimes you think, Look, I know I'm saved, maybe only just but but I'm not feeling. My, my face ain't expressing what the reality. And so, maybe we could, in the Advent season, ponder our salvation and say, God, we can pray, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And joy is closely coupled with With something else, Um, and Isaiah, as my last scripture, is from Isaiah 61. He links it. He gives us a language. This is why it's important to read the Psalms, read the Scriptures, because we learn a language that allows us to understand and God to lead us. So Isaiah says, "I delight." That's the word. "I delight greatly in the Lord, and my soul rejoices in my God. I delight." Rejoice for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. Let me just say thank you, he has arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Isn't that what Jesus does? It's not our own doing, he just says, There's a robe, grant no more nonsense. The relationship between you and me is now solid, restored. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. That's the picture, isn't that beautiful? Can you just imagine that bride? My daughter's getting married next month. No, January. Yeah, next month. <laughs> and, and, you know, all of the jewels and the whatever. The bank balance is flat, but still. But, but can you imagine that bride as she adorns herself with jewels? Because that's, that's, that's when you delight. You're delighting in your day. And uh, this is a season for us to delight ourselves in God. Joy, taking delight. Two days ago I read this and I thought I'd add it. Psalm 43. Send me your light, the psalmist says, and your faithful faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell, O Lord. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God my joy and my delight. So I said in my journal, Lord, are you my joy and my delight. Amen. You know, there's many beautiful things. It's just a matter of priorities. Uh, My family are joy and delight to me. Things can be a joy and delight. But what the psalmist is saying most important is to my God, my joy, and my delight. So I just wrote, C.S. Lewis was right, that there's an offer of infinite joy on the table. And the offer comes mostly from one person. His name is Jesus. John 15, as I close, the Father, as the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so I've loved you. He's talking to his disciples. So he's he's talking to us folk. Now remain in my love, he says. Just stay there. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And he says, I've told you this, or he's telling us this, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete isn't that beautiful that that's what i felt i needed to say not me but i felt what jesus wanted to say just to us he said i'm telling you this jesus says that my joy may be in you and we could name each one and say the joy of god is in each one of you and it may be complete <laughs> And not not only is that an offer that Jesus says in John 17, he actually prays it to his Father. He says, Father, I'm coming to you now, just before he dies, but I'm saying these things and talking to you while I'm still here. And he says, the reason I'm reminding you, God, of this, Father, is so that they may have the full measure of my joy in them. Isn't that beautiful? Our birthright, focus our closes, and the promise from Jesus is that we can have God's joy in us. Night and day through difficult situations, there's a whole lot of stuff we can talk about. Sometimes we find joy in the most surprising places as C.S. Lewis found. We can find joy in difficult times but it's there and it's through Jesus. He is the agent, the conduit that God has chosen to bring joy to all peoples. Can we stand and could I pray? so let's close our eyes just, just put you in your minds now some of the scenes we've, we've mentioned maybe you had a favourite from there the Lord of the Rings the well or whatever drawing wells but if you I don't know where we are but maybe you're feeling dry maybe you're just feeling mm, I need I need a top up of joy grant so as we stand Lord before you wherever we are we're just reminded of jesus's words at the feast where he said if anyone is thirsty come to me and drink because whoever believes in me as the scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them and so lord we we ask you now as we just pause we want to delight ourselves in you yes we want to take you up lord on that offer i'm thirsty lord i'm feeling harassed i'm feeling bound thank you that you are a perfect savior restore to each one of us lord the joy of our salvation may may we become a testimony individually and as a people of the wonderful joy that is promised to us and is ours through you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, folk Can't say enjoy your coffee, but um, thanks for coming and have a great Sunday. Thank you.